Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined once again by the founder of Paula's Choice, Paula Begon. To celebrate 100 founder episodes and just over four years of the Glow Journal podcast, I have brought back one of our most requested and downloaded guests. Paula was my first ever international guest back in 2018, season one, episode three, and I still receive messages about that episode to this very day. To celebrate 100 episodes and four seasons, we're taking it back to basics and doing what Paula does best, myth-busting. Should skin flake when we first try retinol? If a product makes our skin tingle, does that mean it's working? And do you really have sensitive skin or have you caused your sensitive skin? On a personal note, I do want to say a sincere thank you to everyone who has listened over the last four years and to every brand founder who has trusted me to tell their story. I cannot begin to put into words how grateful I am for each and every one of you. In this conversation, Paula is myth-busting. We are talking everything from ageing to product absorption, from sun damage to sensitivity, from vitamin A to viral facial trends, and finally, some of the biggest skincare long cons. Paula, you were one of our very first guests back in season one in 2018, which is crazy. And to this day, I still have so many people messaging me saying, I wish you'd asked Paula this, I would love Paula's take on this, so on and so forth. So today we are going to myth bust. We're going to answer all of their questions. I want to start with something that did come up last time and... Admittedly, the reason I want to start with this is because it got quite a bit of attention. Sheet masks. Refresh us on your sheet mask views. Well, you know, just just to be clear about my views, unless I say otherwise, I base whatever I'm going to tell you. It's it's not my beliefs. It's, it's not my um, uh, what I think. I'm just telling you what the research says. I'm it's always science. telling you what the the research. It's science. Hmm. Now there are times where it is my opinion, and hmm. then I say, based, you know, here's the research. Like, like for example, here's something that is my opinion, and it isn't based on the research. I prefer pure mineral sunscreens. Mm-hmm. The sunscreens where the actives are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. The research does not say that they are more effective. However, in my experience, um, especially water resistant SPF 50s and 60s, I find incredibly more effective every which way but loose than the synthetic versions. Now, it's not that the synthetic versions are bad. The SPF number is the SPF number. However, my experience is I get better results, meaning no brown spots, no skin discolorations. My skin looks like its own skin color, you know, over time, 
you know, less wrinkles, less sun damage looking skin. That's my opinion. That doesn't, you know, so, all right. So that's a very long way of saying there is it, it court it, based on the research sheet masks are effing waste of time. They're just stupid. They're silly. They make no sense. There is nothing about them that helps with ingredients absorbing. That's just silly science, fake science. Ingredients absorb for two reasons. One is their molecular size and sheet masks do not change the molecular size of an ingredient. And number two is the delivery system of either, you know, you can wrap the ingredient in, in something called a, a nanosphere or a liposome or something. And that's not what sheet masks do. Sheet masks are just a piece of material with some hairspray on it. So it clings to skin. That's why it kind of feels sticky. Mm. And then they throw some ingredients on it and then you sit there. That doesn't help anything absorb. These sheet masks are not particularly well formulated. They definitely don't. If you're looking at some of the best skincare products with some of the best ingredients, they don't, you know, sheet masks come up a poor 22 million on the list of great of anything to consider using. They're time consuming. They don't do what they say they do. Uh, there isn't a reason in the world to put that kind of time and money into a product that can't live up to its claims. And there's no research proving it does anything better or even close to what a really well-formulated serum or booster or moisturizer does. And the other thing to keep in mind, this obsession we have about things absorbing, and you gotta mm. help things absorb into skin, is that not everything needs to absorb the same way. If everything absorbed what you know deep into skin, what would be left on the surface? And what would like you don't need sunscreen ingredients to absorb deeply yeah. into the skin. Some ingredients need to stay on the surface, some a little deeper, some a little deeper, some deeper yet. A brilliantly formulated skincare product should do that. Not everything needs to go deep into skin. That's just ridiculous. So the research and the real science about sheet masks don't do it. There's a lot of better things to do than waste 20 minutes or however much time people say to leave that on than using a sheet mask. It's just silly skincare. I'm glad you gave us that example of opinion versus science because I don't think this would be a particularly good myth-busting episode if we were just spending the whole thing talking about opinions. We're not going to well, get anything it, busted. Right. Well, that's the, you know, when people say, so what do you think about that? What's your belief? And I'm going, I'm agnostic about skincare. I have no religion about skincare because, you know, I've been doing this for 42 years. And if I believed in something, that means I would have to ignore the ever evolving research. And I mean, you know, that's all I do is spend time over the past 42 years is going over the research about what works for skin, what doesn't work for skin, the physiology of skin, the I mean, everything about the biology and chemistry. And it has evolved. It has changed what I knew 42 years ago. Very little of it 
still stands mm. today. So if I believed in something, once you have a belief, you don't follow the research because you believe it. Yeah. I don't believe anything. I follow the research and as accumulated research shows what the information is about what is true for skin, what is factual for skin. Well, and, and I study other things, but primarily, obviously, we're talking about skincare, then that's what I share. And again, unless I'm telling you an opinion, I then I'll preface it with, well, my opinion is not necessarily based on the research. Agnostic about skin. I love that. That's going to set the tone for the rest of our questions. I would love to talk about aging because I've found even just from talking to close family, friends, and also after a few years of kind of staring at ourselves on Zoom, more and more people are concerned about how their skin is aging. Well, actually, just to be clear, Mm. everybody for thousands of years probably um, are concerned about looking good and aging. Nobody, you know, people ask me sometimes, How, you know, this whole thing about you're not supposed to say anti-aging, you know, that's like supposed to not be politically correct. Screw that. You know, I'm saying it forever. I'm 70 years old. I am not pro-aging. I am anti-aging. At the end of aging, you know what happens? You die. Yeah. I I am anti-that. I am not. I'm not looking forward to that. I plan on being the best looking 90 year old in the senior citizen home. I absolutely think that if that is something you are interested in personally is to fight what it means to you to look older, then that is you absolutely get to be anti-aging because I'm telling you at my age, my knees hurt, you know, the, you know, things go south, things you didn't know could go south, start going south. So I'm sorry. So you were asking. Oh, no, I'm with you. I am doing literally everything in my power to just prolong this for as long as possible. Amen. This is the goal. Yes. But I'm, I mean, obviously we've been talking about it forever, but friends and family who have never really cared about skin. And now they're And they're now going, yeah, things that I've been telling them for years, they're finally like, oh, actually, can you refresh me on that? What can you tell me? I know absolutely nothing about this, but it has come up previously. What can you tell me about epigenetic accelerated aging? I'm hearing about this. I have not a single clue what it is. Right. Epigenetic accelerated aging. It's actually also referred to as epigenetic accelerated uh, aging and disease. Uh So there's what we inherit. There's genetics, DNA, inheritance, the color of your eyes, What's the shape of your eyebrows, the shape of your face, how tall you're going to be. So there's uh, there's genetic inheritance that you get from your parents. Your parents got it from their parents and their parents got it from their parents. And then two people come together and make a baby. And then that gene pool comes down to you. Epigenetics is the study of external factors of which mostly are about sun damage, pollution damage, uh, and anything you do to skin that causes uh, inflammation or dietary, anything in the body that results in inflammation. And that damages DNA. 
literally causes mutation in the genome structure. As a result of that, bad things happen. Premature aging, cancers, disease. Um, according to current epigenetic research over the past, I don't know, 10, 15, I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that, that most experts, most of the research would say that somewhere between, and I know this number is going to shock you, somewhere between 70 and 90%, and I'm just going to talk about skin right now, mm, sure. um, skin-related cancers, skin-related disorders like acne, rosacea, sebaceous hyperplasia, uh, um, uh, uh, psoriasis, um, uh, eczema, wouldn't happen if we had prevented epigenetic damage from birth. Wow. Because epigenetic damage, exposure to pollution that we don't do anything about, an inflammatory diet we don't do anything about, or sun protection, you know, exposure to the sun that we don't do anything about, adds up to us destroying our DNA. And as a result, things that happen wouldn't happen had we been protective of those things of epigenetic damage when we were young. So what I often get asked is when should we start using anti-aging products? Yeah. And the answer is yesterday. And actually the better answer is the day after you're born. Because after you're born, the next day, you're a day older and you are hit by pollution, and you are hit by sun damage. And because parents don't necessarily know better, they use products on babies that cause inflammation. And the epigenetic damage that accumulates from birth is what causes all of these, this premature aging and these skin disorders that research says wouldn't happen if we were better about protection. So that means you're born and you gotta protect your, uh, your parent has to help, you know, protect your skin from the sun, sun exposure, unprotected sun exposure ages the skin. Um, you have to protect your skin from pollution. The only way really to protect your skin from, well, the major way from skincare that you can protect your skin from pollution is with products that are loaded with antioxidants. Mm -hmm. Now, baby moisturizers don't contain antioxidants. What they contain is a lot of fragrance and a lot of essential oils because we don't want our babies to smell like poop. Yeah. So we put fragrance on babies and those ingredients, whether they're essential oils or perfume or fragrance are irritating to skin. They cause inflammation that generates epigenetic damage. So, Sunscreen, being gentle to skin, moisturizers that contain brilliant antioxidants uh, for babies. And um, uh, where was I going? So sunscreen, products with antioxidants, no, and no, nothing irritating. Yeah. No irritating cleansers, no irritating scrubs, no, you know, gentle. Everything has to be gentle. That starts from day one. Okay, and great. Continues I was through life. 
I was going to ask on another myth, is it ever too early to be using quote unquote anti-aging products? Well, nope. well when, you, no. And, and again, it's, it's the definition of what anti-aging is and that, you know, sunscreen applying products that are loaded with antioxidants and uh, being gentle on skin, everything you can do to be gentle is essential. Now, because uh, in terms of defining anti-aging as we get older, when we haven't been good about pollution protection, we haven't been good about sun protection, and we've scrubbed the hell out out of our skin, and we've used hot water and scrub brushes and done terrible things to our skin, then anti-aging and just trying to get skin back and help repair skin as much as we can and restore skin as much as we can, that's a different level of skincare. And so that begins when you have the problem. And those ingredients can start at any age because when you have sun damage, those ingredients that skin can't make for itself anymore because we've damaged the hell out of it, then products that you're using should contain these ingredients to give it back to them, like vitamin C, like Mm -hmm. hyaluronic acid, like ceramides, like retinol, like, oh God, you can't get enough antioxidants. I mean, the list goes on and on. So anti-aging tends to sound like something about adults, but it's really about helping skin be young, act like young skin, meaning skin that hasn't been damaged by pollution, hasn't been damaged by the sun to behave like that skin does. And you want to call it anti-aging, that's fine. It's really about giving back to skin what epigenetic damage has taken away. That's so interesting. On on protecting the skin from these you know, external factors, something that we've, we've been hearing about this for some time, but I think talk about it has sort of ramped up in the last couple of years, blue light exposure. This is another thing I have no understanding of the science behind it, but can you talk me through what is blue light exposure right. and what effect is it having on the skin? Well, it's shit on the skin. I mean, it's, it's right. there's, no, there's no question it's bad. So the, the sky is blue I mean, I'm in Seattle right now, so I'm not going to see blue sky for years. I'm sorry. I'm teasing for, you know, till the spring, we're not going to get blue sky back. So the sky is blue uh, because of a particular light spectrum in the sky. And it's, it's bad for skin. It causes damage. It's not the same level of damage as UVB, the, the sun's, sun burning rays or uva the sun's uh, skin mutate uh, the dna damaging rays of the sun but it's damaging the, the research is is absolutely clear that uh the blue light um which is not in the ultraviolet spectrum that's what uv stands for it's in this other spectrum over 500 nanometers forget it it gets too geeky But the point is, is that where it is really damaging is from your iPhone or Mm. Android, whatever you're using, and your computer screen. 
because those generate blue light and we are very up close and personal. You know, you're sitting with your iPhone and, and I watch little kids all the time because some of it is, you know, I, I didn't start using an iPhone until, you know, much later in life. And I mean, once I found out about blue light, I changed all my computer screens and digital devices to yellow light. Yellow light isn't damaging, mm -hmm. but we're so up close and personal and that's hitting our skin and hitting our eyes and it ain't good. It's, it's damaging. There is no way around it. And it's a simple fix. Um, it's easier on your Android than it is on your iPhone to switch to yellow light. And at first, when you do it, you think, oh, my phone looks dull. But you really do get used to it really fast. And if anything, once you do it, you kind of realize how jarring blue light uh, can be. And uh, it, 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 just, it just makes a huge difference on your eyes and your skin health in general. So, yeah, blue light's bad. So it's not a change that we need to be making to our skincare. It's as simple as just changing there's our nothing, devices. There's really nothing skincare. Sunscreen can't protect from yeah. blue light. Antioxidants can help reduce some of the uh, some of the free radical damage that blue light causes. But you know, change to yellow light and just cut it out. I mean, it's 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 an easy fix so that. There isn't just one more thing you got to battle against for your skin to just change your devices to generate yellow light uh, instead of blue light. So skincare products that make claims about blue light, yeah, if they contain antioxidants, that helps. That helps for all forms like yeah. pollution damage, you know, any type of free radical damage. Uh, antioxidants are, are wonderful. I mean, they're important skincare ingredients. But when it comes to blue light, just eliminate. It's too easy to eliminate. I can't eliminate pollution mm. and I can't eliminate the sun. That's much, that's impossible. So that you got to fight. But why fight blue light if you can just stop it? How nice to hear that there's something we can just change quickly. This is so rare. I. It's so rare. Go figure. You mentioned retinol earlier. Now this is going to be the ingredient that, I'm asked about the most for obvious reasons for the uninitiated. Firstly, can you just explain what, Actually, let me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. You, I, you said um, uh, for obvious reasons, you get asked about it a lot. I, I think, why it's do you... I think the reason is because, and this is why I really wanted to speak to you about it. I feel like everyone, when they explain retinol, they have a slightly different nuance to their story and then what retinol can actually do for the skin the messaging gets changed here and there I think it's for, for the uninitiated it's possibly one of the most confusing ingredients because there's so much misinformation out there so let me let me so let me ask you what what do you can what do you feel your what do you think people are like what is the varying information you're hearing I know the I know the negatives about retinol. Yeah. It's too irritating. Yep. I know that, you know, stuff about retinol. Um, but what else is confusing about 
do you the, think about the big ones from friends that I have spoken to is they think exactly what you've just said that retinol is going to be far too irritating for their skin. They think there is a specific age at which you need to start using retinol. And then the big one is that a lot of them are getting very confused between retinol and an exfoliating ingredient. I think that's where a lot of their confusion is coming from. I got it. Okay. All right. Let's see. Where do we start? So retinol is the the entire vitamin, is, is the technical name for the entire vitamin A Mm -hmm. molecule and retinol as an ingredient has been studied for, for skin in particular, I don't know, 60 years. And there is no negative research about the benefits retinol provides skin. Retinol is a unique ingredient Um, for skin in terms of its efficacy. The primary way retinol works in skin is it absorbs in, it breaks down and becomes something, never mind what it becomes, but it, it absorbs through to skin into the living layers of skin. And it is able to go directly to a skin cell and tell a skin cell to behave more like normal skin cells because sun damaged skin cells and uh, pollution damaged skin cells become abnormally produced. So that abnormally produced skin cell, as it moves up through the layers of skin, that abnormally produced skin cell, which should be round and plump and beautiful if we didn't have sun damage and pollution, retinol can find it, find that cell that's not round and beautiful and say to that cell that's flat and rough edged and sticky and say, make a better skin cell. You're you're doing a bad job. And the skin cell to some extent, it's not as wonderful as we would like to think, but to some extent skin does, that, that cell responds and performs better improves its shape as it moves through the layers of skin. So that's pretty remarkable. There's mm-hmm. a few there's a few other ingredients that can do that too. Niacinamide is one of them. There's a few peptides that can do that. But that's pretty unique in the world of skincare. Um, at Paula's Choice, we call that kind of ingredient a bioactive ingredient because it is fundamentally doing something. It, it is changing something very specific in skin. It is not an exfoliant. There is nothing about retinol that is an exfoliant. What can happen for some people is they can use a high concentration of retinol. Uh, the product can be badly formulated and contain essential oils or irritating ingredients they can be taking poor care of their skin, meaning they're using scrubs and hot water and, and you know, drying cleansers, you know, where they you wash your face and you feel tight or if you can't open mm-hmm. your mouth. And then they put a retinol product on and they get irritation and they think it's the retinol product, but it's it's everything else they're using because the retinol product, because it's a bioactive ingredient, 
if you have compromised skin and it's a high concentration, you can have a reaction to it. Um, so, and that's true for any bioactive ingredient. Sunscreens are bioactive ingredient. Niacinamide is a bioactive ingredient. Vitamin C is a bio, bioactive ingredient. Some people have reactions for the same reasons, depending on how you're taking care of your skin, um, if you're not gentle with it. So um, that's a long way of saying that inherently retinol is a, a brilliant, brilliant skincare ingredient. Um, some people are sensitized to retinol, just like not everybody can use everything, you know, some people are allergic to nuts. I can't think of anything more benign than a peanut, but if you're allergic to a peanut, it, is, it isn't so benign. Mm. And that's true for an ingredient like retinol. For example, I can't use retinol. I'm allergic to retinol. Hmm. I'm doing fine, but I've tried to sneak it in. It doesn't go in. I react. So I am neurotic about my niacinamide products, which are cell communicating ingredients and have anti-aid, you know, wonderful properties. I don't have to go down the niacinamide road. So um, the, the flakiness that some people get when they start using a retinol product, um, mostly from what I've seen, because I think they're not taking great care of their skin or they're starting with too high a concentration yeah. And they misunderstand that flakiness to be exfoliation. Exfoliation is never, ever about flaking, ever. That is about bad skincare. That is not about exfoliation. Skin should not flake. That's not good. Uh, a healthy exfoliation, you want skin to exfoliate the way it did when we were young before sun damage and pollution mm. and everything else we do made skin not be able to exfoliate the way it should, the way it did, because we shed millions and millions of skin cells every moment of the day. And then when we can't, we get built up skin cells, but when skin is exfoliating naturally on its own, you don't feel it. You're not flaking. You don't see the millions of skin cells jumping off the face, right? So, um, so uh, that there isn't anything about flaking that has anything to do with exfoliating. It's either something is wrong with the retinol product you use. You're using too high a concentration you really need to reevaluate your skincare routine. On irritation, another myth that I would personally like to bust, I hear a lot of people saying things like, my skin is tingling when I use XYZ product, but that's how I know it's working. Talk me through this. What is that tingling? Irritation and it's not working, it's a problem. Yep. I, so usually, um, like, ingredients can tingle um like sometimes like my niacinamide product if my barrier of my skin like if i have a blemish and my barrier of my skin in that area is damaged from the blemish and i put the niacinamide on it might tingle 
in that area because the barrier is damaged. You know, yeah. when your skin is barrier is nice and healthy and even and protected, you should experience no tingling. Tingling, tingling is an irritant response. Response. It isn't I'm working response. And often, I notice that a lot of skincare products and even some over-the-counter anti-inflammatory products, uh, topical. Uh, anti-inflammatory products sometimes stick in an irritant like menthol because people want to put something on to so they feel because psychologically they They believe yeah they believe it's working but it's damaging skin that tingling is an inflammatory response and it is bad for skin things should not tingle generally shifty I, I know it, it's, it's, yeah, I oh know, believe me a lot, of, <laughs> yeah, but, you, but, you but know. I know I could just go on, but the, 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 the major reason sometimes, even when you're uh, taking great care of your skin, you're protecting it from sun damage and pollution. Cause sun damage is one of the major things about it, you know, having a damaged barrier, and, and that might make almost any bioactive ingredient tingle on your face. But because at 70, I still break out and a blemish is a damaged, causes a damaged barrier because your skin in that area is damaged. Um, and so I, I can get a tingling uh, sensation. I still put the niacinamide over it. Uh and it dissipates very quickly because of how niacinamide could help blemishes heal. So, um, but if it made my whole face tingle, either I'm sensitized to niacinamide or I really have to reevaluate how I'm taking care of my skin if I have a damaged barrier. Are there any other ways of knowing if our skin barrier is damaged or is that something we're only finding out if we get that tingling feeling? No, no, no. Even tingling, not everything tingles. No, no. Um, Well, some of it is you might not be using bioactive ingredients. Um, Not everybody gets a tingling response, even when you're putting on irritating ingredients like essential oils or peppermint or eucalyptus or alcohol, Um, or they don't even necessarily recognize that it's tingling. But the, the issue is, is that if you have pollution damage and sun damage and you're not doing anything about it, like being sun smart, not getting a tan, being neurotic about sun protection. Um, you have a damaged barrier, whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, your skin doesn't always tell you when it's damaged. It's not, especially when you're younger, it's not necessarily visible to the, you know, to the naked eye would only be something you would see, you know, even even with a 10 times magnifying mirror, you might not necessarily see that what a damaged barrier looks like. So you kind of just assume that if you're not being smart about taking care of your skin, being gentle, sun protection, really good neurotic sun protection, sun avoidance, and, you know, using beautifully formulated products with antioxidants, hydrating ingredients. And, you know, we call ingredients like retinol and niacinamide and some peptides, we call them uh, 
repairing ingredients because of how they act in skin, um, then you have a, you, you know, and we often just damage the hell out of our barrier anyway, even if we're being good about those things, we use scrubs, hot water. There's this whole thing on the social media about icing skin, which is just hell on skin. Oh, it, yeah, it, I've seen that on, I only recently got TikTok and everyone's dunking their head into a bowl of ice. Why Why is this happening? Because they're idiots. <laughs> am, I not, am I not allowed to say? You, you can know, say whatever co- you, you want. You, well, you know, my company doesn't. My company doesn't like when I call people idiots or stupid, but I'm 70 and I figure I I, I can. I'm old you, enough now. You're I on can. the Glow Journal podcast. I make the rules here. You can say whatever you want. So because um, I I used to say um, I remember when I said you're either son smart or your son stupid, and they got all up in air about my saying that, and now I'm thinking screw it. The truth, it's just the truth. You know, Mm -hmm. beauty, our slogan is beauty begins with truth. Mm -hmm. And the truth is you are either, there's no, there's no way about it. You are either sun smart or you are sun stupid. There's no in between. There is no in between. And icing is bad skincare. Icing uh, causes uh, inflammation. Icing causes restriction of capillaries. It hurts blood flow. It hurts the flow of lymph and lymphatic drainage, even though they say it increases it, which is just crazy. Yes. They say it firms the skin. The second the skin goes back to its regular temperature, the skin goes, you know, here's the analogy I use. <laughs> you know, so I'm assuming we're all adults here. So you know how, you know, guys, men and, you know, testicles when they get cold yep. and they're and, and they recede into their body and they shrink. They, they don't stay there. No. <laughs> the body returns that to the normal temporary. temperature. They descend again. Well, it's the same. I mean, it's so, yeah. I mean, and it's not. And then they say it closes pores as if pores are trapdoors. Oh, my God. It doesn't close pores. Momentarily, the skin swells because of the inflammation. But once the skin returns to its own temperature, and it does that fairly quickly, yeah, yeah, not, not, we, we do so many things. That's why epigenetic damage, there's the things we can't control, right? Sun, sun damage, uh, pollution damage. Well, I mean, we can do stuff to reduce it. Um, blue light, it's hard to avoid blue light in the environment. That's, that's very difficult, but we, it's, it's not as potent in the environment to some degree as it is being this close to my Mm. computer for hours and hours, day after day. Um, and then there's the things we do to cause inflammation, like scrubs and icing and hot water and, harsh, you know, brushes and we, you know, we rip, you know, we rip the crap out of our skin and then, yeah, that's part of epigenetic damage. 
Yeah, we do all these things and then we're surprised when the skin doesn't respond the way we want it to to certain products. Yeah, pretty much. (sighs) I would love to talk quickly about hyaluronic acid because we're hearing more and more about the different forms of hyaluronic. A lot of people still seem to think that any product that is marketed as containing hyaluronic is going to help to hydrate their skin. What can you share with us on that? That's pretty much true. I mean, you can get, yeah, pretty much. You can get into a technical discussion um, about hyaluronic acid versus sodium hyaluronate. Um, And then, you know, there's the different, nobody's going to put the molecular weights of the different hyaluronic acids that they're putting on their product because who the hell understands that? But there are different weights, like when we use hyaluronic acid in our products, we look at the molecular weights. Some are better than others in terms of absorption and other things about hyaluronic acid. But I think it's splitting hairs to suggest that there is a better form. I think they're all pretty damn good and uh, hyaluronic acid is a very important lubricating substance in skin, in the body. Uh, Like I said, if we took better care, you know, if we didn't have all this epigenetic damage, our skin would make a ton of hyaluronic acid, but it stops doing that, makes, you know, stops making a lot of things. Um, And uh, so giving it hyaluronic acid makes skin very happy. Okay, that's good to know. We have spoken a lot about sensitive skin and easily irritated skin quite a bit, I mean, today, but also in recent weeks on the podcast. There is a bit of chat around how sensitive skin types should just keep their routine as simple as possible. Is this a myth or is this a fact? Can sensitive skins use active ingredients or should they be steering clear? So... (laughs) so the the issue is is what what is sensitive skin yeah and does the person really have sensitive skin or have they caused their sensitive skin they're still going outside without sun protection they're not using a product with antioxidants to interrupt you know pollution damage hot water cold water uh, we haven't gotten to massage yet. Massaging skin is a problem. Jade rollers, gua sha. Um, so there's so many things we do that irritate the hell out of our skin. And then we think we have sensitive skin. And I, I just, you, I, I think a lot of people cause their own, and the, the reason I say I think is because I don't necessarily know what the person is doing. Sure. The research says that if you're inflaming your skin and irritating your skin, you're going to cause problems. You're going to cause sensitivities. Um, there, are, However, of course, there are people with truly atopic, ultra-sensitive skin. And yes, in those cases, they have to be very careful about what they apply on their skin. However, that takes experimenting because not everybody is sensitive to the same things. Uh, and so this notion that less 
is best, I think gets confusing, this whole thing with minimalistic skincare, because, you know, there's, you know, 7 billion of us, actually, I think there's 8 billion, I forget how many people are on the planet. These hard, fast rules don't make sense, because somebody like me, um, who, you know, I've didn't know about sun protection when I was young. It was that research wasn't around. Uh, you know, I struggled with acne, clogged pores, still do. Uh, I have something called sebaceous hyperplasia. Um, you know, I want to keep my skin, you know, well, hopefully I do a good job keeping skin discolorations at a minimum, dealing with, you know, estrogen loss, estrogen deprived skin, that, 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 that. all of the issues around my very, oh, and I have oily skin. I have a complicated skin type. If I, and there are a lot of substances my skin just can't make for itself anymore. My skin is hungry for vitamin C, which if I hadn't damaged my skin all those years, vitamin C is the skin's, uh, would naturally be the skin's major natural antioxidant 50% of skin's natural antioxidant capacity would come from its own vitamin C content, wow. but it stops being able to make it. Mm. I, I mean, I could go on and on with what, you know, a brilliant skincare product gives back to skin what it can't make for itself anymore. So if you're minimalistic, then I'm wondering what your leaving out depending on what is happening for your skin. Skin care concerns and skin type should be dictating what you use and that all can't come in one product. Yeah. What about the term hypoallergenic? What does that actually mean? Well, that's mean? bullshit. Nothing. Yeah, means okay. Nothing. Interesting. I thought, you know, I thought people stopped using that. I think and there are still a few sudden, that are. Yeah, it's stupid because it, it's there's no legal definition. It means less allergic, and oh. there's how do how do you know what seven billion people are less allergic to? You know, you can say, uh, and and we do. You can say that uh, our you know Paula's choice we avoid irritants in our products, no alcohol, no essential oils, no fragrance, no perfumes, uh, no, um, no irritating plant extracts, no alcohol, no eucalyptus, menthol, peppermint, nah, 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 nah. so there's a lot that of potential irritants that we leave out, but I would never call my product hypoallergenic because that's not about allergies because that's a, that's about irritation. Mm. An allergic reaction is a very different, like I'm allergic to retinol. I get a histamine reaction. That's very different than an irritant. Like if you use hot water or a scrub on your skin, you're getting a sensitizing, irritating reaction. You're not getting an allergic reaction. Yeah. You're not allergic to that scrub. You're just, you know, beating the crap out of your skin and you're going to get a sensitizing or an irritant reaction. So hypoallergenic is just it's kind of meaningless because, you know, what are you allergic? Who's, how do they know what 
you know, 8 billion people are allergic to. Mm. It's just silly. You, I made a note to come back to this. You mentioned facial massage, rollers, gua sha. Talk, talk me through that in as much or as little detail as you'd like. Well, it's actually um, one of the simpler things to explain. Mm-hmm. And given I give very long answers. I love so it. The, so the, the, the bottom line is that if you see skin move, up or down or sideways, and this includes facial exercises, facial yoga, if you see the skin move, you are sagging it. You are stretching out the elastin fibers, the rubber bands, the elastic fibers in skin that help skin bounce back. You're helping gravity to sag your skin. So you constantly pull, you know, think about, you know, a a hair scrunchie Mm -hmm. or any time you use a rubber band. It only lasts so long because every time you pull at it, it stretches out and stretches out. And eventually it doesn't even hold your hair anymore. And often it just breaks. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing when you're massaging or jade rollering or gua shying. I don't even know if you can make those into verbs, but that's what that's what you're doing when you see your skin move. You're helping sag it. You can do it. It's bad skincare, but it's it's a problem. You don't do that to your skin. I mean, you want to do it to your body, do it to your body. But anytime you see your skin move, it's a problem. So it's have I mean facial massage and ice bucket whatever they're calling it they're the two that all these people on the internet are going this is what lifts and firms my skin but it's doing well, the opposite they're, they're, yeah it's sagging well, it and it's irritating well, I, well icing doesn't um i don't well icing would cause epigenetic damage because of the inflammation massage i don't think massage is causing epigenetic damage it's just stretching Stop out the elastin skin. fibers in your, in your skin, which, you know, you want those <laughs> elastic fibers because you can't make more of them. It's one of the few, the, the elastin fibers in, uh, in skin, you know, unlike collagen, skin loves to make collagen. Mm. You know, when, when companies make claims, and we do it too, Paula's Choice does it too. When, when we make claims about our products making collagen, it's it's easy if you if you're not beating up your skin and you're doing all of the things we've been talking the good things we've been talking about to skin skin loves making collagen we get in its way and destroy mm-hmm. our collagen and you keep destroying it then you're never going to get enough back when you keep destroying it but elastin fibers once you break them uh, they don't come back now I say that. And however, there is some research that some ingredients, there are some peptides, maybe some people make claims about retinol, I'm not so sure, uh, research, but uh, they can make something called tropoelastin, which is nascent, nascent, a baby elastin. Uh So the beginning little baby elastin. 
Now, that's not good, powerful, elastin bounce back fibers. It's better than nothing, but it's still not the elastin fibers you're breaking that you want to keep in your skin for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Paula, we wrap up every episode in the same way. So I have three final questions for you. Since we last spoke four years ago, almost to the day, what are some of the biggest really, changes? Really, to the day? Pretty much. The last episode wow. that I did with you came out exactly four years ago. Wow. Which is crazy. When we were all cool. tra- traveling freely without a care. Really? Oh, those were the days. Since those we, were the days. <laughs> since we last spoke, what are some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry, whether that's trends, whether that's marketing, whether that's more misinformation being spread? What are some of the big ones? You know, that's, I think, the major thing, you know, I, I've been in this industry a very long time. Um, but the, the popularity of believing when social media says something that it's true, it's almost like it's not doubted. Yeah. And I find that in the beginning of social media, people, I think I experienced you know, because Paula's Choice was on the internet back in 1995. We were the first cosmetic company with content on the on the internet. Um, and as I watched social media grow and change, I think people were more skeptical, uh, especially when some of these, uh, you know, 30 second, you, you know, you give information in like a heartbeat. Um, but now... I actually get uh, reporters asking me, should we believe what we hear on TikTok or Instagram? And I'm thinking, really? There's thousands. And you're, how do I evaluate what thousands and thousands and thousands of people are saying? I don't know where they're getting. I mean, I, I hear what's, you know, actually, I don't go on social media. Just let me be clear about that because it drives me crazy and I'm already get upset and and intense about the cosmetics industry and I don't want to have a stroke or a heart attack. No. So I let my I let my team tell me what's going on and I yeah, so that's a long way of saying that the if you hear it on these social media platforms without knowing anything about the source or why. And of course, if it has a PhD or a doctor or pharmacist name, then for sure you you have to believe it. And so much of the information is just terrible, really sad. That in mind, what changes do you think we can expect to see over the next few years? Oh, I'd like to be around to see it. Um, I, I, I think that the world of specialty ingredients, some that are great, you know, of course, I think everybody is copying. Well, I don't think. I see people are copying Paula's Choice co- 
kind of fast and furious. Part of me is flattered and part of me says, just go get your own formulas and leave me alone. Um, but uh, the showcasing of what at Paula's Choice we call superhero ingredients, um, the, the ones that we're looking at uh, that I've been following the research on it has a lot to do with peptides. Peptides are fascinating ingredients. Uh, the, the growth of the research around them uh, is, is far more accurate and specific than it was. Uh, the ingredients are more stable and they're able to do more clever things with them to make them stable. Um, so uh, I've already seen an increase in that and I suspect it'll continue in, in that direction. My final question, what is next for Paula's Choice? I don't know. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'll let you, I don't know. Watch I, this space. You know, watch this space. You know, they don't let me, they don't let me talk. And this I respect. They don't let me talk about what we're working on. Because when I used to do that, what would happen, and this is years ago, what would happen is I would say, oh, we're working on such and such. And then people were like, well, when is that coming out? 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 And the number of products we're working on at any given time and the products that either we really end up not being able to make, we can't stabilize, we can't, the, the combination we envision really ends up not being a great combination. Uh, so we we hold that close to the vest as they say uh so i they don't let me in fact they often say before you do that don't say what we're working on and so i but i can tell you that we are always working and looking at how to make the best products possible i have for decades so we've just got to be patient I'm, I need to be patient. I get, it drives, when it takes so long, you know, when I made my, one of the products I made, some products go really fast. I was kind of surprised when some products stabilize, you think it, it's almost like it's done. It's like, wait, I thought this was going to be so difficult. And then a product that you think is so simple. It t it, there's one product, our 1% retinol, which is one of our global bestsellers took five years five Ooh. years and and it turned out we weren't we need the it was actually the type of retinol we were looking at we needed to change the the type of retinol but five years five years and the the team was going give it up <laughs> give it up get get a life find enough there's other things we can be working on so it's yeah so product development and Cosmetic chemistry is fascinating and exciting and frustrating and crazy and all those things. That was Paula Begon, founder of Paula's Choice, which you can find on Instagram at Paula's Choice. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jmkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. 
This is our final official episode of season four, but I will be back next week with a little bonus episode to whet the appetite ahead of season five. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to 100 episodes of the Glow Journal podcast. And thank you for joining me.